Well, good morning again. How are you? Good morning. As you can see, the teens, late as usual, are in our service today. Thank you so much, for guys, for being here. Uh, I invited them, actually, to be a part of today's service. Uh, today was their official start of the 11th hour, which is our new teen program. Uh, on every Sunday morning, the teens are invited to join us, middle school, high school, downstairs in the basement. Um, we know that all middle schoolers aren't teens yet, so I'll take that teen word back. But do you guys feel like you're teens, right? Most of you, yeah. Some, no. One of you don't. But uh, uh, they're, they're invited to go downstairs on Sunday mornings to be a part of their own uh, um, service that's geared just for their age group. And so we're excited about that. That's launching um, this week. But uh, every so often, we're talking about something up here where I feel it's, it's critical, crucial, important, whatever word we want to use for um, our, everyone in the church to hear. Um, and, and so I invited them up to be a part of this morning's message uh, next week, like Jody said earlier, um, it's going to look a little different. We're not going to be here at 11 o'clock. We're going to instead be down at Deep Creek in the picnic area, um, and we're going to have our baptism service. We are going to um, have Liz down there with her guitar. She's going to uh, play a few songs for us, and then we're going to um, hear some stories from people that are being baptized, and, uh, and then we're going to head down to the, the river bank, and we're going we're gonna to baptize a, a handful of people in there. So it's, a, it's an exciting time, and so for a few minutes, I want to talk this morning about baptisms. One of the things I, I wanted to mention first was uh, one of my mentors growing up, uh, oh, actually, when, in my college years as I was a youth pastor, he was my, my lead, lead pastor, and he was one of our mentors. And he uh, had a couple kids in our youth group, and um, they were always in the service. And he, he had some deal with his kids that every time he mentioned a story about his kids, they got $5. Um, later that day. And so um, um, that's one of the things I, 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 I disagree with him on. So I will not be um, any stories I share about you guys. I don't, you don't get any money. Eyes rolled. Thank you very much. Um, right on cue. Sweet. So uh, uh, whether you've grown up in church or not, or whether you're familiar with church tradition or not, um, water baptism is a con- confusing, uh, weird thing. Um, I grew up in church and I studied theology in school and, and still the meaning behind the sacrament of baptism has changed for me over the years. For the most part, I think all of us will kind of connect in and understand the symbolism when um, we're identifying with Jesus in his death and resurrection. Like we go under the water to symbolize the death to sin. We come back out of the water to symbolize the resurrection into new life. But still, there, there are some, for many of us, questions that remain. Like, how many times do I do it? You know, uh, should, I, should I get baptized more than once? Uh, if I switch churches or, or denominations, should I, should I get baptized again? And, and how should it be done? Should I be sprinkled? Uh, should the water be poured on me? Should I be immersed in water or, or, or rose petals? Um, which is a real thing I found out this week. I didn't have that option as a kid to be uh, dropped with rose petals all over you. I don't know. It's Google it. It's there. But, uh, but it, seems, it seems less intrusive than being dunked in water. Rose petals seem nice. But, but anyways, these are legit questions that we might have. Like, how old should I be before I get baptized? Why would I even, why would I even do it? It seems kind of an odd thing to do. But my hope this morning, as we look a little deeper into what it means, what it is, and, and why we do it, that, that, that we understand more. And that my hope, ultimately, is that maybe more of us would respond and want to be baptized. You see, this is more than just a, uh, a moment of going down into the river. This is a 
naming ceremony. This is where we have an opportunity to be named. And names are so important, right? Baby names like, are, are, are important to us. There's this anticipation that comes with what the baby's name is going to be, right? You know, I remember when Jody and I, we were deciding on the names of our, our first two. And we didn't want anyone to know before their birth, right? Uh, mainly because of the expected reaction from the grandparents, right? You know, what kind of name is that? You know, you, know, you can't name your kid that. But uh, I, I remember as we moved into our, our third kid, her name, I said, if we have another kid, and, and I want to name her Rio. Uh, and then so there's this long backstory that involves this connection with my brother and this certain band and the song. Um, but there's this anticipation to announce the name. You know, I couldn't wait to tell everyone her name. And like a month before Rio was born, there's this stupid movie about a blue tropical bird comes out, and it totally steals our thunder, right? And so, but um, names are... And the meanings of names are, are so important, right? Uh, like in, in Hollywood, we all want to know who's this, this famous couple. What's, their, what's the name of their baby going to be, right? There was this semi-famous couple in Britain. You may know them. They recently had a baby, and everyone wanted to know what the name was going to be. And it was George, right? And it was really, oh, wow, George. That's great. But I guess he's going to be Prince later on. But anyways, uh, do, do you know what your name means? Like we're all been given names. Have you ever looked up your name? Um, my name, from, from what I was told as a kid, my mom would always remind me that the name Jeff means God's peace. And so she'd always remind me, calm down, God's peace, right? You know, she'd like, you know, slow down. But I, but I looked up a, a reliable source. I went to Urban Dictionary um, this week to, to, to look at the name Jeff. And, and I read through it, and, and it's spot on. And so I want to read you the definition of, of Jeff according to the Urban Dictionary. It says, it's a fabulous name. Anyone who has it should be proud, right? Jeff is someone who will, you will fall deeply in love with. Mostly a great guy with an awesome personality and who only cares about you. Jeff is sweet, smart, funny, and very handsome. Hold on, hold on. Just a warning, just never let go of a Jeff once you have one. Because it'll be the worst mistake of your life. So, listen, listen, it goes on. It goes on. Shh. A Jeff is somebody who just got what you need, right? Jeff is somebody who knows what it's about. A Jeff is a really cool kid who everyone loves. Someone with a fantastic everything. Uh, everyone's best friend. Um, a Jeff will most likely often be cheerful and can always put their friends in the best of moods. And here's where it gets real. Jeff, Jeffs have awesome dance skills and great hair. <laughs> oh my God, right? And although Jeffs are magically perfect, they will make you feel super about yourself. So that's, that's, I'd have to agree with most of that. That is, that is true. So what, what, is, what does your name mean, right? Like where did it come from? What were you told your name meant? Were you, were you named after somebody? Like was there someone in your family that you're named after? Or does your, did your parents have like a really cool story like mine to, like, to, to, to name, give you that name? Take a minute. I want you to introduce yourselves again to the people next to you. I want you to share your name and maybe tell them what it means or, or why you were named that, or, or at least share your, your whole name. Tell them your middle name or something like that, just to get to know each other a little deeper. Take a minute, find out each other's names and what they mean, and then we'll come back. Baptism is a naming. That's ultimately baptism is naming someone a child of God. And um, it's, well, I think we're all children of God. And I think baptism acknowledges that. 
that, and you don't become a child of God when you cross off a list of things to do, or even when you are baptized. Baptized, being baptized is simply a naming, an acknowledgement of someone's existing belovedness. I mean, when Jesus was baptized, he didn't only begin to be beloved by God when he was baptized. Um, it, it was an acknowledgement of his eternal belovedness. Well, he was God, but not everybody else. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, but I think it's true for everyone else. Not everybody's creating God's image. <laughs> I like that you're playing so. devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> but, well, really, I think baptism is, is an acknowledgement of uh, people's belovedness. And when we treat it as that, it's, it's, in the Orthodox tradition, it's part of the baptismal service is a renunciation of Satan and his demons and of evil. And the way I kind of look at that and apply that is in bapt- baptism is a renunciation of all those competing voices that try and tell you who you are. Uh, the world says, gives you names like screw up, faker, fat, slut, addict. In baptism, you're named beloved. Uh, and then the world, like demons, beckon with rich, powerful, pretty, right. But in baptism, you're told you're beloved and that's enough. Uh, I think everyone wants to be told sort of who they are. And in baptism, we're told you are a beloved child of God. And we're told to renounce anything that says otherwise. And it's a really, it's, it's a defiant thing to do. I, I look at baptism as defiance because the world will always try to name us. And in baptism, we say, no, my name is beloved. <laughs> uh, so whether that happens when you were an infant and you are remembering your baptism as God naming you beloved, or whether it happens as an adult, uh, I think when we look at our baptisms and we think about the significant of our, significance of our baptisms, it's that we are named by God and that that's enough. Good news. It is good news. <laughs>
But for some reason, we let that become the, the white noise in the back of our minds. And we way too often listen to the other competing voices. Here's one of the images I want you to walk away with this morning. How many of you have ever been on a boat before? Okay. If you want to keep the boat from getting lost at sea or crashing into things, what, what can you do? What do you do to the boat? Tie it down. You, you put an anchor on it, right? The, the boat may drift still a little bit, depending on the wind and the waves. But if there's a storm, and, and that boat might get wet and it might get damaged, but it's still tied down, right? It's not going anywhere. Your baptism is an anchor for your soul. When all the world wants to try to name you, this brings you back to the name that is the most important. When the one named Jesus named you the beloved. We may drift a bit. We may get knocked around by the storms and the waves. But at the end of the day, we are still the beloved. And nothing can change that. And so how do you and I, how do we enter into this naming by God? Well, we look at uh, Matthew chapter 3. It should be a familiar story to those of us that have been here on this journey as we've been going through Matthew's, Matthew's gospel. But Jesus begins his public ministry by getting baptized in the Jordan River. But if you just read Matthew chapter 3 and, and the story of Jesus' baptism, you, you kind of pass by and your response might be, okay, well, Jesus got baptized, so I guess I should get baptized too, right? That seems like the Christian thing to do, right? But if that's the only reason, I think we're missing something. So we're going to go back to the story and we're going to read it again. And we're going to see what else we can find. So Matthew Chapter 3, we're going to be there. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who has spoken us to us through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, preparing the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. You see, John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. And these guys, were they were, they were crazy people, right? They did, they did things and they said things that just freaked people out. And there were only two proper ways to respond to Old Testament prophecies. First one was like, what? You know, like, well, you're, you're acting cray-cray, you know, you know. You are an old fool. That was one way to respond to an Old Testament prophet. The other way was to say, oh, crap, we're dead. You know, that's two ways you could respond to an Old Testament prophet. In verse 4, it said, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and, his, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole re region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. See, the, the surprising verse in that, in that passage there is that, you know, no one was surprised that this guy was dressed kind of weird. We all knew he was crazy, right? The surprising thing was that people still went to him. You know, they went to him to be baptized. Why? Well, John the Baptist was offering an Old Testament practice. He was calling people to repent. And the people were being baptized into repentance. It was this symbol of going into the water dirty and coming out clean. John is having this old-fashioned tent revival down at the river, right? You know, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, right? you gotta, you got to repent. And the strangest thing happens. Jesus actually shows up for this revival, right? And John does what many pastors and evangelicals might do if Jesus actually showed up at their churches. He freaks out, right? 
He says, like, what are you doing here? Well, you know, you're not supposed to be here, right? This is, and, and tragically, if Jesus showed up at some of our churches, he probably wouldn't be welcome, right? Not dressed like that. You know, not, not with that haircut, right? You know, not with those people he hung out with. But in verse 13, you, you, you see John's response to, to Jesus showing up. So then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as, uh, well, let's, we'll stop there. John kind of freaks out in that moment, right? He, he, he's taken back. But honestly, I think we would all be taken back by what's happening here. Like this is God himself showing up. And he's about to do his thing, right? Jesus is about to start going into to his ministry. Wouldn't we all expect him to get behind the pulpit and not kneel at the altar? Right? At the altar call. You and I would expect Jesus to come forward uh, for prayer, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't expect that. We would expect him to be the one that's praying over us. It's like asking you to stand up here and, and pray for people, and Jesus comes and says, pray for me. And you're like, well, I'm not real comfortable with that, Jesus, right? Uh, I'll let you pray for me. You're probably a, a better prayer. You see, John knew who he was talking to in this moment. He had been preparing the way for this guy. But he's taken back by what Jesus was about to do. And this is the moment where Jesus joins you and I in the water. You see, at the end of the story, at the cross, Jesus takes our place. But in the beginning of the story, he enters into my greatest need of forgiveness. And in this moment, Jesus was publicly declaring that he was choosing to do the will of the Father. And so Jesus begins his ministry by entering into the water with the sinners. Not because he needed to repent, but so that he could join us in our greatest need to be forgiven. But what about our part in this? Why do we have to do this? Well, there's this ethical piece to our baptism, right? We, we all want to know kind of what are we signing up for when we get baptized? What am I, what am I committing to exactly? Because there, there is a commitment. Our baptism, you and I were saying that I, that I want to obey God. I want to please God. I, I want to follow God. But what if I can't live up to it, right? Because there's no magic trick at baptism. You don't go into the water a sinner and come out a saint, right? I'm never going to sin again. And then Monday comes, right? Jesus, you know, he's looking down at you saying, well, you should have never got baptized, right? You know, not if you're going to live like that. You know, this vision comes to my mind uh, of this bobblehead Jesus. And maybe you guys have seen this one. It's looking for a last-minute Christmas present for me. But there's this bobblehead Jesus that they have that, you know, most bobbleheads, they kind of shake like this when they, when they do it. Well, his shakes like this. It's like side to side, like telling you no. I can just imagine like sitting on your, your bumper or your, I'm sorry, your dashboard of your car and you're driving down the road, you know, and that person's passing you and you're about to tell them how much you, you like them and enjoy them and they're number one. And then you got Jesus shaking his head no. That, that vision of Jesus just looking down at us, bobblehead Jesus, it's there. It's, Google it. But it's true. You and I, we can't live up to this, right? You and I will fail and we'll, we'll make mistakes. And we need to realize that this is about what Jesus did, not about what you and I do. Listen, we, we need Jesus' help and, and be guided by the Holy Spirit to, to navigate through life. And you and I, we are committing to follow God with our lives. We, we should want to do the will of the Father if you're following Jesus. But Jesus enters into this with us. 
he wants to do the will of the Father too. And so he enters the water of baptisms uh, to, to show us who this is all about. And heaven declares in this moment that Jesus is the Son of God. That John pointed to Jesus as the hope. And Jesus has come to liberate us, to free us to follow him by identifying with us in the waters. Verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is a big moment. Whenever you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the same place, something big is about to happen. And they were together in the garden when they created mankind, and now they're together again as they create this new, this new mankind, where heaven is torn open and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and the Father, uh, the voice of the Father says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Son is named by the Father. He says, this is the one. This is the one that I love. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. But for me and in, in, in my church story, this is where something, something got twisted along the, along the way. This idea of God being pleased with me. Because that never clicked. I, I, I couldn't own that. that. There was no way that this God would ever be pleased with me. That I'll never be good enough, I'll never do good enough for him to be pleased. But that's not what God is saying here. This is not a, a good versus bad thing. This is God taking delight in you. Verse 17, I want to read again this out of the message version. It says this. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. What God is saying here is, man, I'm just happy to be your dad. My two oldest play sports, and I have had the privilege of coaching them, and I, and I enjoy coaching them. I've coached t-ball for them, um, softball, basketball, and, and even soccer, you know. Um, but more than anything, more than, more than coaching, more than uh, seeing them, uh, perform, what, what is the one thing I say? What's the reason why I, I do this? What do I say to you guys? I say to you, all, I say all the time, I say, I do this for, uh, why do I do this? Because I just, no, no, I don't, I don't want to push you. You got, you got this, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not, that's the other thing. I say, I say, amazing, I say, I just, I like to watch you play. I, the reason I do this is I just like to watch you. I love to watch you play is what I say. And I tell them, I tell them this all the time. They, they, I got them on the spot there. I say that it's not about wins and losses. It's not about made shots or missed shots. It's not about strikeouts or, or drop balls. It's not about seeing you hit a home run. It's not about seeing you score a goal or, or make a three-pointer. Those are great things. But the reason I go to your games is I just love to watch you play. I take pleasure, Cannon, in you being my son. Maisie, I, I delight in the fact that you're my daughter. And I embrace that you belong to me. And I affirm that you are my beloved. 
And what Matthew wants us to see here in this moment is that hope has come. That this is the one, and you and I are chosen by him. That God identifies with our humanity through this embodiment of his son, Jesus. And he goes into our deepest need through the water. And he takes our place on the cross. And what keeps him going? What, what kept Jesus on course? How did he endure the cross? Because it was his anchor. He knew who he was, whom he belonged to. He had experienced the life of the beloved. And as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to the waters of baptism. You and I, we come to the waters. We come to Jesus in different ways and in different stages of life. Later in the story in Matthew 16, Jesus asks Peter, well, who do they say that I am? And he says, well, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah. And Jesus says, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And we know further in the story that each of the disciples, they come to faith at their own time. And for some, it wasn't even until after the resurrection where did they finally believe that this Jesus was the Son of God. And so we all come at, at different places and in different times. Maybe you were a kid. Maybe you were a teenager. Maybe it was five years ago. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it's today. It's the, the day that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. Maybe today is the day you confess and you need him to forgive you, to free you, to name you the beloved, that you need that God in your life. And as much as baptism in the story points to God and all of his greatness, it brings us into relationship with the Father. In Matthew 28, Jesus gathers his disciples and says, all the authority, heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I send you, go, baptize in, the name of, in my name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That you and I, we get to go, get in on what's happening in Matthew 3. In John's gospel, it says, as the Father has loved me, so do I love you. And in Galatians, let me read this in Galatians 3. Verse 26 says, but now you have arrived at your destination by faith in Christ. You are in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for the fresh start. It was also involved in you dressing with your adult faith wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. By faith, you and I are now in relationship with the Father. And at our baptism, we're brought into that relationship. And the reason we go down to Deep Creek to celebrate, the reason it's so important for all of us to go and celebrate with each other, with those that are getting baptized, is because it's a naming ceremony. That men and women, teens and, and youth, they go into the waters of baptism and they come out being named sons and daughters of God. And this is the anchor of their faith in Christ. That they receive his baptism by participating in their own. I want to close like this. I want to invite the band to, to join me back on stage.
my question again to you is, what names you? Where do you go for, for affirmation, for embrace, for security? Where do you go to put your identity in? See, baptism is the moment that all of this comes together. The gospel tells us that this naming has the, the power over all the other namings in your life. So what would stop you from receiving that name? Beloved son and daughters of God. You need to live in that and, and stand in that name. And I get it. Being loved like that is scary. And so we often run to other things to earn love. And for some reason, we can't accept this unconditional love of God. And so in our religion, we create hoops and hurdles to jump through. We create laws and lists that will spend the rest of our life falling short. But God says, stop. You are my beloved. And I delight in the fact that you're my son, that you're my daughter. And I just love to watch you play. Just for a moment, can you stop? Can you let that sink in? That you are loved. And it's the uncomfortable reality of the gospel. So let it be uncomfortable. But let it be a place for freedom. This is not about being, or this is about being, not doing. You see, the point in the story of the prodigal son wasn't that the lost son came home and he started to behave and he became good now. It was that the lost son was home and no longer lost. That he was with the father who loved him. You and I are invited into this relationship. And the only thing that matters to God is are you home or are you lost? Are you living life with me or are you out there chasing death? Are you letting other things name you? gospel message comes together and it's, it's packaged in symbols like bread and wine and water. And next week we celebrate a, a naming ceremony where friends and family publicly declare that they have been named by God, they've been embraced by God, they've been affirmed by God. We come to the water to declare that I am God's daughter, that I am God's son, beloved, whom he is well pleased. Anchor your faith this baptism. Don't go any longer without it. Get in on this. This is Jesus. He has given this to you. So sign up for it. Don't put it off any longer. Why would you not want this? As the band plays this song, there's going to be some images on the screen that I want you to see. And I want you to take a moment to kind of search your soul. Whether you've gone through the water of baptisms or not, maybe it's time for you to do this. There are connect cards at your table to, to sign up for it. After service, those that are getting baptized next week, we're just going to meet downstairs for a few minutes to talk about it. And then next week, we get to be a part of this naming ceremony, this celebration together. So think about it. Listen to the words of the song. Look at the images. What are you letting name you? Is it time now to let God name you?
we're going to kind of move into this last song. I want you guys to stand and worship with us. As you stand up, I want to share a little short story with you. I'm going to try to make it short. AJ and I were baptized within a year of each other. AJ is my husband, in case you don't know. So in 2009, the week we got married, he got baptized. He grew up going to the United Church of Christ. His family was very disciplined in the ways of going to church. My family was the exact opposite. So when AJ and I got married and he got baptized, I thought it was this great thing. And I thought so many happy things and positive things and awesome things. And I have heard the saying, I had heard the saying before, where when you're doing something right and you decide to, to say the things that you're doing and be the person that you are, you will meet the strongest opposition. When we're doing things right, that's when we meet the strongest opposition. And sometimes that opposition comes from places that we don't really expect it to come from. And in AJ's case, it came from his dad, which I thought was really strange since his dad knew that this was something. You know, I thought, hey, it's in the Bible. Like, he got baptized. I don't know what the problem is. Well, AJ was raised in a family that christened him. And his dad believed that it was done. He had done it. And AJ grew up and became the spiritual head of our household, which I'm very thankful for. And uh, he interpreted the Bible to say that as an adult, he needed to make that decision for himself, regardless of whether or not his parents had made the decision for him. And he felt like it was a way to show you guys, our family, our church family, our brothers and sisters, that it was a decision that he made. And I was so happy and it was so weird that that is where our opposition came from right after that. It was the source of tears and fights between AJ and his dad. Since then, AJ's dad has gone to seminary. He's a pastor now, and they've worked it out. He's okay with the baptism now. We don't have to argue about it anymore. But I just wanted to share that story with you because it was something that meant so much to both of us. I was baptized a year afterwards, a year after him, um, on our anniversary week. But, you know, it's, it takes a lot sometimes to show and to say, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is all I was, and now I'm going to make this decision. It's hard sometimes when you really feel strong that you're doing the right thing and you meet those, um, those roadblocks. Uh, they're going to be there, but it's okay because when we've made that decision to follow God, everything else will work itself out, and that opposition will not be as strong as your father. You can uh, be seated real quick. Can I get four volunteers to help me with uh, the giving um, baskets? We're going to close with an opportunity for you guys to, to give back. Some of you were able to fill out a connect card and, and possibly sign up for baptism or a, another way that you want to connect or engage in this story. Um, and that's your chance for you to, to do that. Um, uh, next week, 11 o'clock, we're going to be down at Deep Creek. And I'm expecting, wanting, desiring for all of us to be there to be able to uh, celebrate together this, this um, naming ceremony, this, um, uh, this moment for people to... Uh, create this anchor of their faith that they can um, hold on to being known as sons and daughters of God to be the beloved. And uh, we get to be a part of that. We get to participate and, and enjoy that together. So come down next week. We'll, uh, just for a few moments, we'll, we'll sing. We'll, we'll um, hear some stories and then we'll, then we'll go down to the river and we'll, we'll baptize a handful and come back and we'll have a picnic together and kind of celebrate. So we're inviting you to bring something to, to share for that. We'll supply the the, the meat um, and the drinks, and we just want you guys to come and, and be a part of that next week. Invite friends, uh, be a part of it. It's going to be a, a great time. If you're, you are interested in getting baptized, meet me uh, in the basement just a few minutes after the service, and I'll um, 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit deeper what that might mean for you. Um, but let me pray, and uh, we'll pass the baskets. God, thank you so much that we get to enter into this story, that we get to be a part of what's going on, uh, what you're doing as you create us new. God, don't stop creating us. Uh, it's just exciting to see story after story of people coming to faith and, and wanting to take this step, wanting to, uh, to acknowledge the fact that they've been named sons and daughters of you, that they are the beloved and, and whom you delight in. You just love to watch us play. And God, we get to be a part of this, this naming ceremony. So uh, be with us as we, uh, this week as we, we prepare our hearts, as we uh, uh, prepare to, to come in and to celebrate with family and, and with friends as, as you're doing something huge in, in this place. God, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to give back, whether it's to, to serve or to, to support, to invest, but to see your kingdom growing. God, thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In your, your name we pray. Amen. The baskets are going to pass. Um, again, uh, um, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, many of you, you saw images and people on that screen that you know and you were a part of. And it, um, it, it's, a, it's a great, uh, it's, this is a great family to be a part of and to see these things happening. And so, um, guys, we'll uh, see you next week and being a part of this. Thanks, guys.